Well, today's date is February 23rd, 2020. And the title to today's message, you're ready for this? I mean, are you ready for this? War Chariot. War Chariot. We've been on a pathway of victory over the past couple of weeks. And that being in response to the fact that we are at war. War first with our own sinful natures. In that message, Pathway to Victory, we dealt with the issue of grumbling within our own tents. That will derail you from the pathway of victory. That leading all the way means following all the way. Right? God's going to lead us all the way, and we must follow Him all the way. And that when we begin to darak, we are following God's pathway of victory, which includes us trampling underneath our feet anything that opposes what God's path to victory actually is. Did everybody get that? That led us right into a fantastic message of divisions, but not divided. Now, God rescued Israel based on their divisions. He assigned their inheritance based on their divisions. That he purified the temple, the priests, and the people, and the feast. I mean, uh, the feast and the priest. Even all the way down to their three-year-olds, they were being purified. So that everyone could stand in their right divisions as God had ordained because God has victory in mind the entire time. Come on, when we begin to put our households in right order, even our three-year-olds are standing in their right divisions. That enables the victorious power of God to begin to fill not just us, but our entire home, our entire church, and affecting the heavenly realms for the kingdom of God. Come on, when you begin to stand in right shalom, whenever you and your family begin to stand in right order, you are impacting the heavenly realms, making a change for the kingdom. That led us into war cry. Did y'all raise a war cry last Sunday? Better question, did you raise a war cry this morning? Amen. We have a war cry because we serve a God that is of war, and he is at war. We understand that greater is he who is in us than he that is in this world, right? So whenever we begin to face trials, face opposition, we have access to the war power of our God. It just requires us to lift up our heads and raise a loud shout and begin to summon that power of heaven that helps us overcome. We then talked about strategy for victory. That fighting the good fight means that we remember what God has already said to us. We revive the revelation so that we can begin to get his plan and strategy for victory. Did you guys revive some revelation since Wednesday? Well, that's going to lead us to our next topic of war chariot. Everybody turn with me to Numbers, chapter 10, verse 33, and say war chariot whenever you're there. There we go, Pat. <laughs> Numbers 10, 33, in the Nazbe. Thus they set out from the mount of the Lord, three days' journey with the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord journeying in front of them. In front of them. 
for three days to seek out a resting place for them. When God begins to deliver His people, this Ark of the Covenant of the Lord begins to lead them out. It goes out front of them, seeking a resting place. Boy, isn't it nice to find a resting place sometimes? Especially if you're walking in the desert a little bit. You just come to that nice little spot where you sit down, like, ooh, catch my breath. <sighs> just saw some ten plagues happen in Egypt. God delivered us. We're free. Ooh, during a little bit, I gotta, gotta sit down. Well, God's, God's presence, the ark of his covenant is always leading us and it will take us to a place of resting, of being stationed where he wants us. But you know, being at rest is not the goal though. It's only a momentary stop to be refreshed because we're going further than just resting. Go to Joshua chapter three and we'll pick up in verse three. War chariot. And they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priests carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Oh man, that momentary stop at a resting place is just giving you the refreshment you need so that when you fix your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant and it moves, you get off of your haunches and you begin to go after it. I mean, you stand up and then you begin to go up. When we come together as a church body, we are getting refreshed. We're getting renewed. We're reviving revelation that God is already giving us because we are ready to walk outside of those doors with that revelation saying, Lord, where is your presence leading me? Where is the Ark of the Covenant going to go to next? Because I'm ready to actually go after it. Church, are you ready to go after it this morning? Well, let's look exactly what we're going to go after in verse 17 of Joshua 3. And the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground. In the middle of the Jordan while all Israel crossed on dry ground. Until all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan. See that temporary stop of rest gave a renewal. They fixed their eyes on the Ark of the Lord that was being, uh, that was leading them. They went up, went after it. And where'd that lead them? Right smack dab in the Jordan River. Being in that place where we're about to enter into warfare, right? Crossing that, that Jordan River, ready with God's presence leading us into warfare. Let me help make this a little bit more clear. Everyone go to First Chronicles 28 and we'll read verse 18. You see, when the ark of the Lord stood firm on dry ground, it was immovable. It was stationary. It was providing a path of victory for God's people to begin to cross and go to war. And it stood there until it had finished its work. Everyone had crossed. Memorial stones were set up. And then the priest and the ark of the covenant went out of that dry land onto battleground. Battleground for God's promises. Now, much later in David's day, as he is recounting, he's reviving the revelation of the plan that God had given him for the temple, and he's sharing it with his son. Let's look at the exact nomenclature 
the words that are used to describe exactly what this Ark of the Covenant is. Verse 18, he also gave him the plan for the chariot. Everybody say chariot. That is the cherubim of gold that spread their wings and overshadowed the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. We begin to see clearly a connection that the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord is described as a chariot. I mean, not that frilly kind that you see in parades. It's the kind that actually goes to war. It's designed to enter into battle, to dominate and subdue. Let's look at exactly what this word is in Hebrew. Put up that slide for us. This is Strong's number 4818, and it is pronounced as Merkava. Merkava. It is a chariot, or better said, it is a war chariot. Oh, wait, hold on. Pastor, let me put this together. Because uh, sometimes I only read pictures. What you're saying is that the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord is a war chariot? Absolutely it is. It is a symbol of military might and war. It is used figuratively of the vehicles of war used by the Lord. Oh, we, we've, been, we've been capitalizing and emphasizing the exact nature of our God as it relates, as he relates to victory. But this is a very physical symbol of victory as it is displayed in how God rides forward in victory. If this is how he rides, how do we ride? Come on, what's your ride look like today? Is it a pathetic little tricycle? Or is it a war chariot that's following God's war chariot? This word is used roughly around 40 times in the Older Testament. And it just so happens, this word is also used in our present day to describe a war chariot. You see here, this Beautiful, glorious sweatshirt pullover I have. It has an insignia for the Israeli Defensive Forces, known as the IDF. And as it began to search for a name around the 1970s of what they could assign to their armor, their tank, they chose this word, Merkava. Yeah, we're not just going to name it tank or something really cool. They're going to name it after the very biblical description of God riding on his war chariot. Isn't that a symbol and a sign of ultimate victory? That it's a surety that it's going to happen. If God is riding on this war chariot, then who in the world is going to stand up next to him? No one. Well, let's put up this next beautiful picture that we have. Oh, yes. That is a Merkava, my friends. That is God's war chariot. That's not literally the one that he rides on, but that was named after the idea of God's war chariot. You know, some interesting facts about this that make it unique and superior to all other tanks. This tank was designed to preserve life. It's a pretty powerful expression of preserving life, right? 
internally and externally, and let me break this down. Most tanks that have been developed put the engine in the rear. The Merkava is designed to have the engine in the front because it's adding another layer of armor and protection to spare the lives of the crew members inside. It is also developed to where it stores its its uh, weaponry, the shells, in a compartment that if one of them goes off, it self-contains the blast and preserves the crew inside. With this in mind, it is also protecting or preserving life by its capability to launch shells out the turret, to destroy the enemies of God that seek to destroy the nation of Israel. It's run by a crew of four people. It can house up to nine infantrymen along with those four that are within it. It has a hatch on the rear that allows it to approach the battle lines head on with the warfare of the enemy. Preserving life within and and opening the doors for salvation for others that are on foot. When we think about that crew member of four, this requires a brotherhood. It requires a unity. I need my brothers and my brothers need me. It was originally designed to operate on the terrain of Israel. That God's war chariot is designed to inhabit God's promised land. Come on, the way that it's designed with its tracks, the way it's designed to be repaired in a short period of time, its speed. That's one of the things that people usually knock about this tank is that it's kind of slow and lumbering. But what it is trading speed for, it is gaining an armor and ability to pierce the hull of enemy tanks while preserving the life that resides inside. One of the things is that this particular tank is designed to break through and ram through walls. Come on, it's kind of like me whenever I play football. I may not be the fastest guy on the team, but when I get there, I'm going to do some damage. I will break through the, the fortifications that the enemy has set up because I know there is a war to win. And God's Merkava, his war chariot, is designed to win. It's designed to stay low. That the turret that you see on top, its profile, its height is less than half of what typical tanks were designed to be. It's almost like when you dwell within humility, you are able to thwart the enemy's attacks much easier than when you are exalted and full of pride. In addition to that, when it hit the battlefield in around the 1970s in Lebanon, It decimated the Russian T-62 tanks. It annihilated them, had a few complications. They repaired them within a matter of years, and it has been one of the top tanks in the world since the 1970s. that's That's a huge feat for a nation that's less than 100 years old. The whole idea, though, is this, is that they are patterning its function based on God's war chariot. That Merkava that he rides on. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 66 and look at this a little bit further. We'll start in verse 15. There you go. 
See, the Lord is coming with fire and his chariots, his column of Merkavas, are like a whirlwind. He will bring down his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For with fire and with his sword, the Lord will execute judgment upon all men, and many will be those slain by the Lord. Do you hear the overpowering victory that resides within the Merkava of God? Let's look at this further in Joel chapter 2, in verse 4. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses, so they run. With a noise as of chariots, as of Merkavas. They leap on the tops of mountains like crackling of a flame of fire consuming the stubble like a mighty people arranged for battle. Do you see the intensity that's building in describing exactly what these war chariots do, these Merkavas do? Come on with that noise as of chariots. We all know from watching war movies that you have the infantry tr- soldier that's holed up inside of a barn and all of a sudden the ground begins to shake a little bit and you hear the tracks of the tank start to roll through and everybody grows consumed with fear until they realize it's one of their own. Oh, what happens when they realize it's one of their own? They come strutting out of that barn. They are ready to have overwhelming victory. I am rescued and I am empowered. In Psalm 18, it brings this further. In verse 9, he says, He parted the heavens and came down. (laughs) Dark clouds were under his feet. Oh, what is it like to see that imagery of warfare? When you hear the rumble. The tracks are turning and clanging. But all you can see is the dark cloud of exhaust being emitted from that tank. And then it emerges out of its own cloud. And here's a war chariot standing on your doorstep. What a great and dreadful sight that must be. This is what's being described in Psalm 18. In verse 10 he says, He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. Those cherubim he's referencing to are those cherubim that are over the Ark of the Covenant. He is the one who rides upon the war chariot, the Ark of the Covenant. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced. Oh, what is it like whenever the presence of God begins to show up in the midst of chaos and warfare? The brilliance of his presence begins to drive away that chaos. It begins to drive away what is making your ability to see his presence. It is making clear through his brilliance exactly who he is. You know what we were doing in worship this morning? We were pursuing his presence, looking for the brilliance of it to push away the darkness and the fog. Sometimes we just got to shake off those things that are hindering our ability to perceive His presence. Because He is here. He is among us. His war chariot is dwelling in our midst. And we need the brilliance of His presence to be able to recognize it. 
Oh, come on, it gets even better in this verse. It says, with hailstones and bolts of lightning. On that weaponry of heaven that is descending with a trajectory landing upon our enemies. When we are standing in the brilliance of his presence, God's war chariot is heading out and firing rounds above our heads that are landing on our enemies. But what is it like whenever God's presence begins to move on your behalf? And it doesn't require the strength of your own arm. It doesn't require the intellect of your own mind. But it is purely the hand of the Lord working on your behalf, destroying the chaos and the confusion that has been at war with your heart and your mind. We need that power from God's war chariot. This morning, we need it now, we need it tomorrow, we need it next week. This is the state of mind and the confidence that we are to stay in. You were designed for war. Every single person in this room, you were designed for war because you were made in his image. And by being made in his image, you're going to operate in his function. If he rides upon a Merkava, if he rides upon a war chariot, what does that look like for you? You ride upon it as well. It's your empowerment. Verse 13 says, the Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered his enemies. Great bolts of lightning and routed them. So we begin to think about the presence of God going before us and firing his weaponry with great bolts of lightning on our behalf, destroying our, our enemy's attack. You, begin, you need to begin to find great confidence in who's actually with you. What level and access of power you have at your disposal one just standing right here at the altar standing in the middle of a field we can raise our hands and our heads and call upon the name of jesus and this exact power is at our disposal to bring about change on earth do you want that power this morning let's turn to exodus chapter 19 and we'll look at verse 18 there you go Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain did what, saints? Trembled violently. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. You know how I envision the Lord descending upon Mount Sinai? He's riding in a Merkaba. He's riding in a war chariot. He is coming with smoke, with fire, and with violent trembling. That his presence is making the earth shake and quake because of the great power of our God. He's riding upon his war chariot. In Ezekiel 1, I'll read this to you. Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had the face of a man. And on the right side, each had the face of a lion. And on the left, left the face of an ox. Each also had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. 
Their wings were spread out upward. Each had two wings, one touching the wing of another creature on either side and two wings covering his body. Each one went straight ahead. I hear in this that they are always moving forward. Always moving forward. There is no retreat in their function or direction. Wherever the Spirit would go, they would go without turning as they went. When we're following behind God's war chariot, there's no deviation. There's no turning to the right or left. There's definitely not retreat. There's always putting ourselves in the position where He is aligned so that we are locked on to our target at all times. One of the things that's unique about a tank, and particularly the Merkava tank for the IDF, is that it has this guidance system for its turret that com- operates completely independent of its base. That means that no matter what direction it goes, the turret can turn and stay locked onto its target, that it is never at a point of just retreating. It's always at a point of taking the offensive Bringing the fight to the enemy. I'm not retreating. I'm just getting a better position to fire a shot on you. Whenever we align our hearts and our minds with heaven, we are not retreating. We are getting ourselves into a better position so that we can aim at the target that God is sending us to. When you receive a revelation here at the altar or sitting in your room reading the word, you are getting the armament and direction from God that you need to fire upon the next target that he's going to put you in front of. Come on, say with me, church. There's no retreat. retreat. We We only move forward. When you begin to get that deep inside your souls, it begins to build a confidence that drives out fear. Begins to build a confidence that removes hesitation. An apprehension of, I really don't know if I'm really doing God's will. I can't really hear his voice. You know. Men and women of God, you are designed to be confident. You're designed to be confident in his presence and where he is given, where he's leading you and what he's given you. We have got to eradicate fear in our hearts. We have to eradicate fear within our minds so that we can stay locked onto the target and walk with the confidence that he's given us. The appearance of the living creatures was like burning coals of fire or like torches. Fire moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright and lightning flashed out of it. Wow, we see that again. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. Many of you in this room, you've been at the altar, you've been sitting with the pa- one of the pastors or elders, and there's been a reoccurring war that you've been fighting with, at times even losing to. And then there came that one moment, that one moment when God's war chariot showed up and it changed everything in an instant like lightning coming forth from the heavens it hit the depths of your soul and from that point forward you begin to walk rightly with god 
I'm talking about annihilating that one area of sinful nature that just keeps rising up and punching you square in the mouth. That one event or circumstance, that situation that you just can't find victory over. And then in a sudden, his presence is there. His word is there. His spirit is there. His war chariot is there. And it transforms that area from defeat into immediate victory. And it stays in that place of victory. Whenever we're looking at lightning flashing out, I want to show you guys an image of one of these IDF Merkavas firing a shot. That's a little more than a firecracker. So whenever we are reading these scriptures, I'm reading here in Ezekiel, fire moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright and light flashed out of it. This is a clear imagery in just the natural realm of something that has happened in greater fashion in the heavenly realms. When you begin to align your heart with heaven, you begin to follow behind the Merkava of God's war chariot. Look at what is at your disposal. Look at the power that can change the situation right then and right there. I would hate to be on the receiving end of that. I would hate to be one of the guys just holed up in a bunker, lobbing a few grenades and RPGs, spraying a little bit with an AK-47, and one of these guys rolls up. I want to stand in the Merkava of God's war chariot. I want to be on the side that is victorious and full of heavenly power. Let's turn to Revelation 4, verse 5. If you could, please leave that picture back up. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Oh, what it must be like to be standing there at the throne of God and have something that far supersedes what we see here on the picture. That what we have is the power of heaven at the throne of God. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures. And they were covered with eyes in front and back. Begins to list the creatures, and it is equally as described in the book of Ezekiel. That both are speaking about this war chariot. War chariot of his presence. But we found something that's beautiful in Habakkuk chapter 3. Turn with me to Habakkuk chapter 3. We'll look at verse 4. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Oh, 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 man. Whenever we look at the construction of a tank, 
every enemy should know that that tank is filled with artillery shells. But they're not really sure exactly what kind of artillery shells reside within that tank. That power is hidden from his enemies until it is launched and makes an impact on them. Come on, when we are tapping into the throne of God, we are tapping into that power that is hidden to our enemies and is to be displayed as we act upon the direction that comes from his throne. Plague went before them. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, O Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses? And your victorious chariots. Do you hear the overwhelming evidence of God's victorious chariots? This is how he rides. He rides upon his war chariot and victory follows him wherever he goes. A deeper look into this exact phrase of victorious chariots will begin to reveal something beautiful. Let's put up the next slide that we have. Reading from right to left, the chariots of salvation. The Merkava of Yeshua is how you would say it. Come on, man. When we are talking about that lightning force of God's power being displayed, what we are seeing in the actual language is the Merkava of Yeshua. That power that has been displayed as an example through our king. If it's ex- he is the example of that salvation and that victorious power of salvation that comes through God's war chariot. What does that mean for us? It means that we have access to it. When we, when we are born again, we are born again into his name. When we are born again, we have now His presence residing within us. We begin to house this same victorious power of salvation. But we'll look at a few other things before we go further with that thought. Everybody turn to Jeremiah chapter 3. We'll look at verse 16. There you go. In those days, when your numbers have increased greatly in the land, declares the Lord, men will no longer say the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. It will never enter their minds or be remembered. Wow. Was something that was such a vital and central piece to the temple, something that represented God's war chariot, The throne in which he is seated, that one place in the temple you could only go once a year, and that being the high priest. It'll never enter their minds or be remembered. It will not be missed, nor will another be one be made. Wow, what's happening in this? It's like it just disappears. 
Never to set our hearts or minds upon it again. Verse 17 says, at that time they will call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord. And all nations will gather in Jerusalem to honor the name of the Lord. No longer will they follow the stubbornness of their evil hearts. He's naming Jerusalem as that place where he rides between the cherubim. That one place where his name would dwell and where he would display his war chariot power. And that from Jerusalem, it would reach the ends of the earth. But I want to ask you some questions. Why? Why will it not enter their minds? Why is it is that it would never be remembered? Why would another one never be made again? You know, we were reading this this morning that it really struck us. Because we know of the level of importance and power that the Ark of the Covenant possessed. That place where he rides between the cherubim, his very throne. Why is it going away? There's a particular reason why. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. And we'll look at verse 27. Say war chariot whenever you are there. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Are you connecting the dots here? It's Christ within you is the reason why that ark would be remembered no more. It's Christ within you answering the question of why it would not be remembered. It's Christ within you that is answering the reason why another one would never be made because it is found perfected inside of Christ. And look at the next step. That Merkava, that war chariot of God, the place where he is seated and rides between the cherubim, it's within you. It resides, it dwells within you. Come on, the presence of God is something more than just goosebumps. It is more than just having this warm feeling at an altar. It is the very war chariot of God that is being displayed within the center of my being. You know how this began to stir inside of me? Is it last week when we were talking about war cry? It is that call for the power of God to be displayed. It is that result of being in distress in a narrow and a straight. I know that I have access to the power of heaven, but I forget every single day that I have the very presence of God already within me. I have this war chariot power already residing within me. And I kept getting surprised by the evidence or by, by the, the surfacing of trials. Meaning that, uh, re- please relate to me. Work to keep your eyes open. Stay connected with me. This is the point. That I would come down here to the altar. I would listen to a message. I would read the word. And I would get a powerful revelation. A, a divine um substance of heaven providing for my spirit, my soul, and even my body, experiencing a healing, experiencing a a divine uh, provision from God. 
that moment where I felt his authority within me, that all three of those items would come about within me. And I would feel like I am on top of the world, that I am powerful. And then immediately after, get punched square in the mouth and wonder what is it that I'm doing wrong. Has that ever happened to you? Where a great move of God has stirred your soul, has equipped your hands and your fingers for, for battle and war, and you step outside these doors, you step outside of feeling His presence, and you encounter something that is a huge obstacle. It takes the wind out of you. And then you're surprised. The Lord began to rebuke me as I studied Merkava and War Chariot. He said, why are you so surprised? Why are you surprised whenever I've made you to be a war chariot? What, you thought you were just going to sit on top of a piece of paper and stay there? That these this heavy weight power that God has put within you is just to be on display? When we see the image of that Merkava, that tank, you know immediately it's designed for war. Why is God giving you revelation? Why is God elevating your priesthood? Why is God providing for you divine provision? It's because you were designed to go to war with it. Well, too, too long we have just used or, or benefited from these things just to make ourselves feel less insecure about who we are. That's not its design. It is a fruit, but that's not its intentional design. That when we step into the fullness of what God has made us to be, we find the confidence to face battle after battle after battle. Come on, what does it look like when night after night, every member in your house takes a turn either getting sick or having demonic dreams? Maybe both at the same time. You are designed to go to war and what that should endear inside of you is a thankfulness oh man you know that every tank commander for the idf is training day after day with his crew they're preparing well in various scenarios and they are ready to go to war at any point in time and though their desire is not to just take life, their desire is to preserve life. But they are looking for the opportunity to show what exactly they've been training for. That needs to be your heart. That needs to be your confidence and your attitude. Why are you sitting within these seats? Why are you sitting in a church that is discipling you every single day of the week? It's because you're being trained to go to war. You're being equipped to go to war. So you should be looking for the opportunity with thankfulness and joy. Yes, Lord, you're giving me the chance to put on display everything you've been depositing inside of me. I just got through learning about honoring your name, knowing that there's a weight, there's a power, and there's an authority with it. And guess what? One of my kids got sick. Oh, yeah. It's time to use that name. Come on, I just ran across somebody who was a demoniac and they were trying to obscure my progression in God's will. So you know what I did? I used that name. In the name of Jesus, come out, you get saved. What circumstances keep happening in your life that are there just to facilitate you acting like the war chariot that God is? 
We have to open our eyes and get a better perspective of what God is doing within our midst. That he's equipping us to go to war. He goes on to say in Colossians 1, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. <laughs> oh, that hope of glory. You know what it is? It's the overwhelming power of God's war chariot living within us. What is that hope whenever I am faced with bad news? God's going to get glory out of this. And you know how he's going to get it? He's going to get it through me accessing the power of his war chariot. That means that my hands will heal the sick. My hands will raise the dead. My hands will drive out demons. My hands will be laid on those with leprosy and they will be cured. When I begin to ask this question in discipleship training, who believes that they possess the power to heal the sick? Most people raise their hand, right? Just like you guys. All right, raise your hand if you possess the power to raise the dead. So we have about half. Do you notice even the internal trepidation that you have in raising your hand? We raise it easy for healing the sick. Much slower to raise our hand to raise the dead. Is God's power any different between the two? No. It's still his Merkava working power. It's still that war chariot power that's being displayed. If we say that there is nothing that is impossible for our God, we need to actually believe it. And believe it with action. The hard part about raising the dead is that nobody wants to volunteer. But we have to be war ready at all times. That means that we're building your confidence this morning that the power of God within you is resurrection power. What raised you from the death, the death of your own sin? What resurrected you out of the grave of your own wicked behavior? It was the same resurrection power that will go through you to raise somebody else who's physically dead. I think seeing a life that is full of days that are holy. I'm talking about decades of holiness is actually a greater display of resurrection power. Because it is constantly, again and again and again, subduing your sinful nature. Subduing fear, subduing cowardice, standing on it and saying, I am God's war chariot and I'm going to roll down the highway of holiness to get to the path of victory. Verse 28 says, we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. You know what the heart of your pastors and elders are? I want to present you perfect in Christ. That means that we're going to go after those areas that are still imperfect. And by going after them, we're going to make you into the perfect war machine, Paul Rosales. We're going to make you into a Merkava, Pat Rosales. Even the Egyptians in the house can become like an Israeli tank, a Merkava of God. We are driving you towards perfection because that's what our king deserves. To this end, the pastors and elders of LCM labor. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works within me. Oh, oh, what is it like 
What is it like to make disciples? It means that as a disciple maker, you are struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works within you. That means those moments when you don't know the right divine word to give right there on the spot. You have either the courage to cry out to the Lord and ask for one in the moment, or the courage to say, I don't know, and go hear from God and give it to you. Because I don't know, I do not possess the energy in and of my own intellect or mind. I need the war chariot power of God to continue the discipleship for you. To drive you to perfection. Let's look at what this power in discipleship looks like. Go with me to Acts chapter 4. Say war chariot whenever you're there. Let me hear you, Timon. Say war chariot. War chariot. Yeah, yeah. Verse 13. If you can't make fun of your mama, who can you make fun of? All right. (laughs) And they saw the courage of Peter and John. (laughs) But they didn't see the feelings. They didn't see the internal unspoken prayers. They saw something tangible, something actionable in that courage. Because these men were operating on the war chariot power of God. And realized that they were unschooled. If I look at my life, check. Ordinary. That is actually a compliment. Check. Ordinary men who were astonished... I mean, sorry, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Come on, whenever you begin to ride with the armies of heaven following the king of kings, you begin to act just like he does. He's riding on a war chariot. He's advancing forward in a Merkava. And whenever you are right behind him, being equipped with him inside of you, you begin to act just like that war chariot. And it looks just like this. You know, the book of Acts has never come to a close. It's still ongoing. That means that what we see here of ordinary, unschooled men ought to be a display of His glory within us as we act like a war chariot. People need to take note that you've been spending time with something that is divine, that is heavenly, of the name of Jesus, that you sound just like Him, you act just like Him, you are victorious just like Him. You have no reason to to give in to the feeling of being a victim. You know what? We all have sinful natures. Get over it. We all have sinful natures that we need to subdue. We all have the spirit of sonship within us that is placed there to overcome every ounce of fear within you, to overcome every devil that stands in your way, to overcome every obstacle that prevents God's will from moving forward in your life. You are not without. You are riding in God's war chariot. Or more importantly, his war chariot is within you. Through Christ being in you, his war chariot is within you. You lack no good thing. 
our hearts need to turn from the phrase, I can't, into I can. It needs to have a level of confidence that says, you know what? I'm going to sit within ministry training, and I'm going to share a word like a boss. Ain't that right, Alicia? You're going to stir our hearts. We're going to be on the ground repenting whenever you share that next week. You're going to drag us out in a parking lot and let our hearts be cut to the core. When every man and woman inside this building and listening to this message, if you are walking rightly with God, you have the right to have war chariot power within you. It's time to access it. It's time to stop being surprised every time something hard and difficult comes about. You were made for that moment so that God's glory could be displayed through you. Acts chapter 2, you're close by. We'll start in verse 1. Now what we just read in Acts 4, Peter and John displaying their courage through action. This came from many, many hours of intelligent study, right? No, wait, hold on. There are ordinary unschooled men. This came from sitting in a chair for so many hours in a class. No. Let's see exactly how this power began to be deposited inside of them. Verse 1 of chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came. Oh, 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 it's about to get good. They were all together in one place. Suddenly the sound like the blowing of a, what kind of wind? A violent wind, almost like a whirlwind. Came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of... So I have fire, I have wind, I have the presence of God, I have the war chariot, the Merkava of our king being descended upon this place. Tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, Jesus had told them, stay in Jerusalem. Until you have been clothed with power from on high. As the commander in chief, he was ordering his troops to wait until his Merkava showed up. Wait until my war chariot power is now deposited within you. And then you get outside these walls and you go to war in the heavenly realms. This is what preceded chapter 4. That these men that were cowards, these men that lacked revelation and understanding of heavenly things, were now being obedient to their commanding officer, received that power, that wind and fire from on high, and immediately they began to contend with the heavenly realms. To the point where the leading powers of Israel were scared to do anything about them because the people had gravitated to that war chariot power within them. Well, what begins to happen whenever you are filled with the Holy Ghost and that spirit and word become in agreement inside of you? You become a huge threat to the enemy. Why does the devil seek to stomp out the truth of God's word, to nullify the power of the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, because he is trying to disarm the war chariot of God within you. But it ain't going to happen. Right here in Acts 1 and verse 7, 
He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That is a surety. I've lost count of how many people we prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's only a handful of things that actually prevent it. And one of the most common ones is trying to intellectually receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I need to understand this. No, you don't. You just need to receive and do it. Whenever I was being prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was waiting for the Holy Spirit to take my tongue and flap it up and down like you would shake out a rug. I was being so submitted that I was being a bit stupid. Meaning that, Lord, you you just do everything. I'm not going to do a thing. You only you get the glory, Lord. It's not based on my works. No. You actually have to receive it. That means you step out in faith and begin to move your mouth, trusting that God is going to actually give it to you. And as I did, he began to fill me. That the promise stated here in Acts 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When you begin to stretch forward in faith to act like the Merkava, the war chariot of God, you will receive power. It is for you. And it's designed to empower you to actually go to war. I can't imagine trying to do the things that we do without the power of the Holy Ghost. We would look like a spiritual graveyard. Whitewashed tombs with programs that are designed to make everybody feel good about themselves, but requiring no actual change or transformation. The church of the living God was established on this very principle. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. There is no other foundation for it to be built upon. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 10. We're going to get it. For though we live in the world, We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I want you to stop and just reflect. This is putting in the context of we. It is true that we possess these weapons. I don't want to drive it further home. You. You. You possess these weapons that have divine power to demolish strongholds. I mean, whether or not it's Daniel Smith or Mandy Sheridan, they can stretch forth their hands and see strongholds demolished. That power is the same for everybody in the room. Because Christ is within you. His Merkava is within you. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
that war cheer within you is going to first start by subduing your own thoughts. It's going to first start by subduing your own sinful nature. That it therefore enables you to go help other people subdue their sinful nature. To experience that war chariot power of God inside of them as it is inside of you. Let me read this to you. Jeremiah 51, 20 says, You are my war club. <laughs> my weapon for battle. With you I shatter nations. With you I destroy kingdoms. With you I shatter horse and rider. And I, with you I will shatter chariot and driver. God will shatter those false gods that are riding those false Merkabas. Well, Chris Hall, you are a war club, son. With you, God can shatter these same exact things. Ladies, can I hear a war cry in the house? Come on, y'all can be louder than that. Let me hear a war cry. With you, he can shatter Nations, with you he can shatter what opposes God. You are not powerless, you are powerful because God's Merkabah is within you. Psalm 144 says, Praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. We're in training. But that's not all we're going to do. Why do we train? So that we can actually go to war. Revelation 17, 14 says, They will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them, because He is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And with Him will be His call, chosen, and faithful followers. He's riding out in victory. We are with Him. Because we are called, because we are chosen, because we are faithful followers. And if he is riding out in victory, what does that mean for you? You're riding out in victory. Our confidence should be, must be rising this very moment. Our confidence needs to elevate and continue to elevate. Because that confidence comes from our covenant with him. What gives you that surety that you can lay hands on the sick and they be healed? What gives you the surety that your hands can be placed on the dead and they resurrect? It's because of the confidence that you have in the covenant. That blood has been shed for you to have right relationship with him, but to establish that covenant that gives you the confidence to act in the power of that covenant. Anytime you shrink back, anytime you pull away from that confidence, you are pulling away from the power of that covenant. We can't do that. We have to boldly step forward and act with courage and confidence, just like Peter and John did, because we are honoring the covenant that we've been given. The Ark of the Covenant, God's war chariot, it contained three items that empower us to be that war chariot. Turn to Hebrews 9, verse 3. Behind the second curtain was a room called the Most Holy Place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna, one. Aaron's staff that had budded, two. And the stone tablets of the covenant. Three. 
Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover. That first one, jar of manna, this is supernatural provision in you and for you. Supernatural divine provision that is in you and for you. That looks like revelation that he's given you through his word and by his spirit. That bread of heaven that sustains you for days, months, years, decades on end. That divine word that resurrects your soul and gives you direction for a long distance. That's what's within that war chariot, that Ark of the Covenant. The second one is Aaron's staff. This is the authority of the priesthood. Right? That miraculous resurrection power that made a distinction and says, my favor is with this one. I'm going to elevate his priesthood. Why is God calling us to elevate our priesthood? Because he wants us to possess that priestly authority that he's put within us to take courage and act upon it. It is an instrument of the miraculous. When you stretch your hands forward to act in the confidence of the covenant, you are stretching forth that instrument of the miraculous, the authority that God has given and placed upon you to represent him. Third, there were stone tablets. These were his commands, his word in you. Well, I hide your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. It's to keep us grounded in his truth. Keep us grounded in that covenant by what the commands that he's already made. But there's a war against these three items. Meaning that the enemies of God are looking to steal your daily dependency of divine provision. That looks like fear. Your own fear is looking to steal away that daily dependency. If I don't do something right now about my situation, everything's going to fail. I have to step in front of God and do something with my own strength. That's an enemy of the covenant. That's an enemy of the war chariot power within you. Or it may look like something else. The enemies of God are looking to kill your confidence that's found in the authority of Aaron's staff within you. That priestly authority that God has placed upon you. Maybe even killing your belief in God's miraculous power. Oh, I, I know I know God did that for JJ yesterday. He maybe did it for me 20 years ago, but I, I just don't know if he can do it for me again. That's not the confidence that comes from God's war chariot. It's an enemy. Or maybe something like this, that the enemies of God are looking to destroy your knowledge of God's eternal truth written on the tablets of your heart. Mean that it's looking to turn you and your heart away from faith and turning it into fear. Is that very first lie that the serpent spoke to Eve, did God really say? We can't let any semblance of that phrase enter in our hearts or minds. The minute you begin to feel any one of these aspects of fear or doubt of who God is and the war chariot power he possesses, we have to turn our hearts and fix our eyes on the one who was leading us in that Ark of the Covenant. The one who is leading us on that Merkava. 
These enemies of God are aimed at destroying your covenant. Destroying that daily provision. Destroying that priestly authority. Destroying that tablet of truth within your heart. But here's the reality. God's Merkava, God's war chariot, is aimed at them. His turret is locked on to these very three things that are aimed at destroying your covenant. God's war chariot is aimed at conquering the sin of self-sufficiency and the mind of man. This is like whenever Satan tempted Jesus in the desert, the very first thing, turn these stones into bread. And he said, what? Man should not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That war chariot power is removing the arm and mind of man and replacing it with the overwhelming power of God. Secondly, God's war chariot is aimed at purging your heart of the need to prove your priestly authority. Much like Satan tempting Jesus to throw himself down from the temple to show exactly who he was. In fact, he began it with a taunt. If you really are the son of God, then throw yourself down. You need to quit letting your heart and mind be tempted to have to prove itself outside of what God has already said. You prove your priestly authority by walking in the priestly shalom. Meaning walking in only the authority that he's given you. You do not need to prove to everybody else just how anointed and spiritual you really are to compensate for an insecurity that you're really not. Rise up in confidence and just ride in the authority and power of his war chariot that's already within you. Do it because you love and seek to please the king. Thirdly, God's war chariot is aimed at having every knee bow and tongue confess the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not bowing to the prince of this world and worshiping him so you can have all the kingdoms of this world now at your disposal. Do you see that parallel in Jesus' temptation? That as that chief model of a war chariot, he went to war with all three of these same temptations. The same three temptations that you have day in and day out. He was victorious because God's word and his covenant was within him. You are called to be victorious in the same manner. Hebrews 10, 35, I'll read it to you. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. There's a hope for our confidence. That when we are walking in that confidence of the covenant, that God's war chariot power is at work within us at all times. We never do without. And there will be that day when I stand before my commander in chief and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I will be a good soldier that receives a reward for my courage that came from the covenant. Verse 39 says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. Well, what kind are we? We are of those who believe and are saved. We're not going to shrink back. We're not going to retreat. We're just going to reposition ourselves for a better shot. 
Revelation 12, 11, we all know it. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. You want courage? You want courage that comes from the war chariot of God? You have to relinquish all control and preservation of your own life. Let it go. What do you have to lose? More importantly, what do you have to gain? I gave my life over to Jesus. I gave him the throne of my heart and my life because I was messing it up royally. I was being defeated daily. When I relinquished all control, all power, all direction of my life, the king came and his war chariot began to inhabit the throne of my heart. And I found his resurrection power with me every microsecond throughout the day. I've never been without his power. That's how we overcome. As you stand to your feet, I'm going to read the scripture from 2 Peter. Second Peter 3, verse 13. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward. Say looking forward. To a new heaven and new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. As we come to a close, I want you to begin to evaluate your heart right now. Please do not let this moment slip by because this is a moment that God is looking to empower you. But it starts in this evaluation of making every effort. What is corrupting your confidence in his covenant? Is it fear? Is it guilt? Is it pride? This morning, I want you to make every effort to crush it. Crush it here at the altar. So that The power of his war chariot can be confidently within you. There is power found in the name and blood of Jesus. There is power found in responding in repentance to that name and that blood. There is confidence to be found in being filled with his war chariot power by the Spirit of God. It's time to move forward, church. No more resting on what was accomplished yesterday. It's time to move forward with the confidence of his covenant, that confidence in his war chariot power, to begin to let people see our courage and take note that we have been with Jesus. He wants to display his war chariot power through you. The question is, will you let him? Will you make every effort to courageously move forward with what God has given you to do? Men, will you be men of your households? Women, will you be the glorious easers of your households? We are called to move forward. Let's take this time in making every effort for our hearts to be purged, our minds to be washed and cleansed. Let's get the mind of Christ and outside the mind of man and crush fear in the name of Jesus. Mighty God, we thank you for your war chariot power. We thank you for giving us the ability to move forward, to progress in your will. Lord, I pray that right now, as hearts and minds begin to seek you, Lord, you reveal, you reveal what is a hindrance in them moving forward and acting. 
like your war chariot. Help them crush fear, insecurity, and pride so that they can be filled with your war chariot power. Lord, let us rise. Rise at the end of this service to be the men and women of God that you have made us to be, to be your display of power on earth and be ready to go to war for your name.